Okay, my degenerate friends, let's talk about the wonderful dark art of gambling. Yes, dancing with the point spread. Going two fists in all the way up to your elbows, wearing farm animal gloves. All right, that was weird. My point is, every game you watch is a little bit more spicy with something on it, you know? That's why you should get dialed in today at mybookie.ag. I've got an account, and you know what? I throw 10, 15, 20 bucks on stuff all the time. That's it. You can even bet less. MyBookie.ag is perfectly legal, and having worked with them for over two years, they are a rare exception of credibility in a sea of fly-by-nighters. And the handful of times anybody has had a problem, they take care of it right away. Why? Because I send one email, and they go, oh, we, we don't want to get this. We'll take care of this. Relax, everybody. You got me backing you up. NFL, college football, NBA, college hoops, PGA Tour, NHL, Premier League, everything but Bush Kazi from Afghanistan, you can bet on it. Right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway, all the way up to a thousand additional dollars to put in play. Terms and restrictions do apply to bonus dollar matches. Read the website for details. Promo code is ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo, to get that additional matching money. Get some sweet action in 2020. MyBookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Today on the Zabecast, duds, shockers, and comebacks that only happen while playing your nephew in Madden. Are you not entertained? The NFL continues its January dominance. Why seeing Tiger's son hit a golf ball is like seeing baby Yoda for the first time. And pour one out for the bloody horns and the bull. Your bonus, 30 minutes of me, is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go. Oh, here we go. Monday, January 13th, 2020, and as always, the NFL delivers. Are you not, Are you not entertained? Entertain. Are you not entertained? What a weekend it was. And I'm going to run through all the games here tonight. Uh, well, tonight, Sunday night, I record this. You've got it in your hands. 4 a.m. on Monday morning. Remember that the Zabecast is a supplement. It's an extra naughty word included addition to my normal three hours on 97.3 The Game in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and my three hours in the afternoon on the Team 980 in Washington, D.C. So if you want more of me, that's how you go and get that more of me. This is a quick 30-minute shot, supplemental, some things I won't talk about on those shows, some things I will talk about, but it's your first blush, first edit for the weekend that was. Let's start with this simple piece of advice. You should never gamble on professional football. It is a man is a gambler. A fool's he got over Aaron. his head in debt. He owed me money and he refused to pay. <laughs> he avoided me. That's, That's why, why you, you should never gamble. Gamble, I know. Uh, my pick of the Ravens as the sell your 401k, borrow your grandma's inheritance money, borrow it, just take it. Uh, would have been a disaster had you followed my advice. Luckily, you know you don't take me seriously. And luckily, I don't really pretend to be an expert. I shoot my mouth off. And I don't really bet much with my own money. I bet I dabble at mybookie.ag, and I think you should as well. It's fun. I had 50 bucks on the game, Ravens minus. That was sort of a lot for me. I normally bet 20. And I'm like, fuck, 
feel stupid. I, I don't mind losing the 50 bucks as much as I hate looking stupid. A number of people, including my man, Big Mikey O'Neill, had the Titans money line in that game. And after they went up early 7 nothing, I go, good start for you. And he texts back, long way to go. And I'm like, okay, dude, don't be that guy. <laughs> it's not like I don't know how gambling work. It's, works. It's not like I haven't done this with you, Mike. <laughs> it was very condescending, the text. I was like, okay, easy. I was just saying, good, good start for you. Because before the game, I said, no chance. Because I thought for sure... There was no chance. Meanwhile, the Texans, I would argue, had the better metrics, the better argument for an upset victory over the Chiefs. And yet, despite a 24 to nothing lead, ended up getting their doors blown off. Bill O'Brien is going to go down as one of the few coaches that in back-to-back weeks can be trailing 16 nothing at halftime and can also be up 24 to nothing before halftime, and people want his ass fired both ways. And I'm not saying there's not an argument to be made to fire my doppelganger. And the dream of me perhaps meeting him at media day at the Super Bowl dressed up in uh, Titans or to me Texans gear and, and maybe pulling off a fakery because he does look so similar to me, handsome devil, that dream has died, sadly. But no, you could fire him. You can make an argument to fire him. But did, did you see the rest of the game after they gave up the 24-0 lead? They they still lost. Uh, the game is still going on right now, I should admit. I'm taping this segment right now. Game's still going on 51-31. to I mean, seriously. They weren't the better team, and they defensively are hot shit on a stick at best. So thanks for playing. Nice try, entertaining game, amazing comeback. Imagine, though, betting the game and being pissed off about it. I mean, it, this the NFL is an inexplicable game. You don't know what's going to happen. It's impossible to know. You can only make informed guesses. Really, it's just about avoiding bad results. It's, it's really, betting the NFL is just dodging 9 out of 10 of these games and not even betting them. And just waiting, waiting for your moment to go, mm, there it is, boom. And if you can wait, wait, wait on 9 out of 10 and pick 1 out of 10 and then go 6 and 4, you're a god. You're a god. That's how the only way to bet the NFL. But the great thing about the NFL, it's like a three-card money game or or one of those cup under the ball, ball under the cup games on a street corner in New York City or any other big you know, city. Like, how hard is it? Here, here's the ball. Keep an eye on it. And you're looking, and you're looking, and you're like, there it is. That's that's the that's the cup of the ball. Where'd it go? Or, I, that's the card. I know it's the card. No, it's not the card. That's the NFL for you. It's what makes the NFL like crack cocaine, and we love it. At least I admit, though, I don't know, and I'll never know. It's guys like Colin Cowherd who are just amazing. Funhouse, now that Mike Francesa has basically retired, has turned his attention to Colin Cowherd. And he has pointed out that Colin Cowherd is on an 0 for 10 heater picking NFL games. Even worse, he is 0 for 10 with a bunch of those offers, outright offers, not just point spread offers. But Cowherd still has the balls or the chutzpah uh, or the ego, or just this is what it takes to become who he is, to say, take all my winnings 
on that Clemson pick in the semis and roll it into, and I think you said the Ravens. It's like, yeah, that was the one game you've picked right in the last couple of weeks. Somebody chirped at Coward about, you know, <laughs> better better play because they, they had, uh, Funhouse had pulled out his tweet about, you know, here's he's 0 for 10 the last whatever. Somebody said, best play of all, fading Colin Coward. Coward chirped back, better play, have my career. Oh, and wherever you are, thanks for joining me. Yeah, I mean, that's the ultimate mic drop right there. The guy has made millions and millions of dollars. I don't know if that's what it takes to get where he's at, to just be that douchishly, is that even a word? Douchish? Douchtastically self-absorbed and oblivious, and you don't mention the fact that you're 0-10. At least, you know, Stu Gotts with the Dan Lebitard show was on this insane, like, 0-for-12 run in betting college bowl games, which, hey, 0-for-12 is as hard as 12-0. and And college bowl games, nobody fucking knows, right? It really is flipping a coin. That's funny, but they made a big deal of it. They were, they were laughing about it on the show. I don't know how you can be coward and refuse to mention the fact you're 0-for-10 and then send out tweets like, I want you to take all the money, that I won from, uh, you know, betting Clemson in the semis and put it into the Ravens. Yeah. Also, I love the guys who bet big. I love so certain people put out tickets. Like, they'll bet 80 grand for an outright winner to win 20 grand on the Ravens. I saw a ticket like that on, on Twitter. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's, see, that's not how you win a lot of money gambling. Because there are no sure things in the NFL. And you just saw it. All right, let's go through the games. Niners crush the Vikings. This one was one that I called absolutely right. I said on Friday, the Vikes will hang in there. They will make it a close game. And then in the second, third quarter, they're going to pretty much get swamped. That's exactly what happened. They made one play, and that was about it. The big touchdown pass to Diggs. Otherwise, you could tell Minnesota because they could not block the Niners' O-line. They were treating that game like a bomb disposal technician. It's like, okay, let's go very carefully. Let's be very conservative. Hell, Kirk gets sacked at his own five-yard line on first down. It's second and 18. They run two of the most conservative draw plays to Cook after that for about four yards total and punt. And I'm not even sure it was the wrong call. It's just Mike Zimmer and uh, Stefanski, the new head coach of the Browns, knew what they were up against. You couldn't block that D-line for the Niners that came at them in waves. In fact, Baldinger on Twitter, best follow on Twitter other than Super 70 Sports or a couple others, but a great follow, Brian Baldinger, NFL Network. He does these little film breakdowns, and he was like, this wasn't just a beating. This was Shark Week. Look at the sharks. Sharks got to eat. Sharks are relentless. Sharks will kill the... And he was just doing that whole shtick. Play after play after play after play. And he just holds his phone up to the projector and then goes back and forth, back and forth. He could probably use more sophisticated software or a better video feed of it. I kind of like how raw and au natural it is. Kirk turns back into a pumpkin. Those who want to blame him will blame him, and that's fine. 
There's a lot of shots of Shanahan's parents. I'm very happy for them. Somebody tweeted, however, do other coaches have parents? (laughs) I know, but they're not former Super Bowl winning parents. Also, don't forget, up until this year, Shanahan was on a glide track to be a failure and a bum and thrown out on his head because the Niners had a massive losing record up until this year. Now, you can argue, well, but what about this? What about that? I get it. In fact, that's what worked in their favor. The Niners, they've been smart under John Lynch. I'm going to give him credit in just a second. But they got lucky in that they lost Garoppolo last year for the season and then went into this sort of graceful tank mode where they just couldn't win games. And their division was really tough because the Rams were really good and headed to the Super Bowl. And so, therefore, it was easy to tank, and they end up with the second overall pick because they had Garoppolo and because he was coming back from his knee injury. They didn't have to take a quarterback, so they take Kyle Bosa. And holy shit, is he a game wrecker. My God, what a player he is. And let's hope Chase Young is every bit as good for the Redskins because uh, I'd like to see our defense do what they did. Kirk had no chance. I mean, the, the time from snap to drop to set was like one second, almost. Uh, so they tank, they, they tanked inadvertently for Bosa. They spent wisely on their free agent purchases. They have sick speed all over the place. Um, and they're not spending a whole lot of money on things like running back. All their money is in their O-line and their D-line. All their high picks are in their O-line and their D-line. Something like five first-round picks. I don't see anyone beating them at least in the NFC Championship game. But Super Bowl could be a different story. Loaded, this team is. Congrats to John Lynch. I was skeptical at first. I'm like, oh boy, here's a TV pretty boy who's like, you know, I'd do this if I was GM. I'd do that. Give me the job. Uh, What's your experience? Well, I was on TV. And look in my face. Smiles. Aren't I pretty? So I mocked it. I thought it was uh, a bit much. But he has done a very good job. They've gotten a little bit lucky, which is okay. The fact that the Patriots had to move Garoppolo right now. It was like, we got to sell this car right away. What do you? What will you give us? Second rounder? All right, fine. Take him. That's a hell of a break. They got lucky, the Niners did, because the Redskins refused to trade him Kirk. Garoppolo is better than Kirk. You know, the thing about Kirk is he just... Kirk, to me, is not explosive enough in his movements and his escapability in the pocket. He has some escapability, but not a lot. And so when the pocket is collapsing and when things are going completely pear-shaped, as they say in the military, Google it, under center, he doesn't have that three- to four-step explosion to hop up, jut right, backpedal quickly, and make a throw. And that's what differentiates him. I think I saw more explosiveness from Tannehill on Saturday night than I did in the pocket. Even though Tannehill only threw for 88 yards, of course, why do you have to throw for any more yards than that when King Henry is running loose? Oh, and the uh, Niner uniforms, thank God they didn't use those awful 3D lettering, um, I want to call them 90s version uniforms. The Niners uniforms that they wore, simple cherry red tops, simple white letters and numbers, no 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 piping, no fringing, no 3D effects, no shadow box. With that gleaming gold helmet 
with the simple SF logo on the oval. Mm. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Oh my God. It's delicious. It's a hell of a uniform. It's a hell of a logo. It's a hell of a kit. May they wear it again next week. And I'm not supposed to like him because fuck Kyle and fuck the Niners. They have screwed the Redskins in the past, but still hard not to like it. And uh, the late Northern California winter sunshine, which we had not seen in years because they had not played a playoff game in NorCal in many, many a year. It was glorious. It's always glorious. Low angle sun in the southern sky. Got to love it. Oh, it's also weird to see a field that was firm and fast. <laughs> the difference between Santa Clara and Candlestick. Candlestick used to be an absolute quagmire. Today's episode brought to you by MyBookie.ag, the official online gambling hangout of this, the ZabeCast. More lines on more games than you can imagine, more ways to play, fast payouts, outstanding customer service. MyBookie.ag has an easy interface. You can track your winnings and your bad beats. NFL playoffs are now here. Time to crush it. College hoops, now more upset heavy than ever. So let's clean up on some shockers. In the winter, NBA looks like Lakers bucks in June, but hey, we can still make money on any given Tuesday, throwing some heat at Grizzlies and Pelicans. <laughs> Sweet action. Promo code right now for 2020 is Zabe, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo. Get half your deposit matched up to $1,000. Terms and restrictions apply and bonus money. See website for details. You don't have to be some whale like Mr. X and throw around $1,000 a night. You can be a little dink and dunker like me and nobody's gonna know. Or laugh at you. MyBookie.ag. You play. You win. You get paid. So there's your game number one. Game number two, the Ravens take a massive dump and allow the Titans to shock the world. It's gone final in Kansas City. Chiefs 51, Texans 31, and it wasn't even that close. More on that in just a second. The Lamar Doubters. And the running quarterback flat earthers can come out and do their Ewok dance after this one. He was not good. Not nearly good enough. And the Titans looks like looked like they had a real plan for Lamar Jackson. The way they would contain and they'd have runners to come after him. They took good angles. He didn't really get out and hurt him too much. And you combine that with a couple other factors. A little bit less Ingram because of the injury. Having a play from behind, couple of missed fourth downs, couple of spectacular plays on the first two Titan touchdowns. All adds up. Next thing you know, oh shit. And I'm sure Harbaugh is going to take a lot of heat in Baltimore because this is a game you simply cannot lose. And then you got King Henry, who is just incredible. And you got to like his vibe as well. He seems to have zero douchiness to him just a massive beast of a running back who has top line speed that is deceiving because of how big he is he does remind me running wise of Rigo and I know that's hard for people to get their heads around okay boomer well if you're old enough to remember Rigo Rigo was a similar sized back not quite as big as King Henry but he was a big back and when Rigo would bust free, Rigo had some shake and some sidestep, but he wasn't doing spin moves and stuff. But he had he had fairly nimble feet, like King Henry does. And then when he got out into a seam or into the open ocean, look out. King Henry accelerates the way that 
cop cars accelerate, at least in my mind. You know, these supercharged sedans that you think, that doesn't look like a sports car. How fast can that thing go? You drop the hammer on that Crown Vic with the super, supercharged engine, <laughs> gone. I love the Titans uniforms as well. That deep navy blue is fantastic. Numbers are not wild about. Vrabel's good. And people, I saw some people made the mistake on Twitter to say, see, that's what happens when you shop from the from the Patriot store. It's you know, another Belichick. Go get a Belichick disciple. Yeah, how's that working out for the Lions and Matt Patricia? How did that work for Charlie Weiss? How did that work for McDaniels the first time around? If only it were that easy. How about Romeo my Romeo, another guy that didn't succeed. So Raven fans, and I know a couple, oh, they're going to take a long time to try to process this one. I don't think this invalidates what Lamar did during the regular season, but I think it has to make you pause and say, all right, is there a difference between playoff football and regular season football? There shouldn't be as much as there is in, say, the NBA. The NBA you play teams once on a Tuesday or a Thursday or a back-to-back, and then you never see them again for months, if that. And players don't care in the regular season in the NBA. I believe that there's a lot of prep put into playing a team in the NFL during the regular season. And I don't think there should be that much difference between a playoff game and a regular season game, but maybe there is. Or maybe they just met the wrong team playing good at the wrong time. That had a good plan for them, made a couple plays early to get up, and you lost your nerve. End of story. Titans on to the championship game. They'll go to Kansas City, I'm sure, as a significant underdog. Probably 6-7. I'm not looking at it right now. That's my guess. We'll see if I'm right. Then the Chiefs rally to embarrass the Texans. I mean, in your life, as Adam Silver once said. Wait, is that where it's from? No. Uh, Vern Lundquist. In your life! Have you seen a team lead by 24, 24 nothing, and then fall behind <laughs> by the time you can turn around and blink by halftime? Led 24 nothing, trailed at halftime. What in the bloody hell was this? A lot of heat, of course, on Bill O'Brien, and rightfully so, and some will point to the fourth and one, which, by the way, looked like a terrible spot for starters. Could have challenged, maybe should have challenged. Secondly... Um, he calls timeout to talk about it. Now, first half timeouts don't mean very much. So if it's a first half timeout, I have no problem. You want to talk about it, fine. But don't lose your nerve. Don't you lose, you called timeout? Get a good play on fourth and one. You're deep inside Chiefs territory. You have a chance to go up 28 to nothing, which you would think would be a dagger. You think you could then just run, run, run play possession football, get one more turnover and call it a day. But he kicked a field goal. God hates a coward. The gods were not amused. And the Chiefs were also pissed off. And they said, okay, well, here we go. And then it was just a cavalcade of mistakes. Unbelievable shitty defense to let the Chiefs march right down the field. A crumble that was almost a crumb six, which is the worst play in football. I I seriously would doubt... If I'm an NFL coach, I'd say we don't ever want to have to return a kick. And if you are returning a kick, we want both hands on the ball, run as fast as you can, as far as you can, and then get down. Because the chances of you turning that into a positive play are far smaller percentage-wise than you committing a horrible mistake. 
And it was just an implosion. And it didn't get any better from there. So what of that is Bill O'Brien's fault? Oh, and then, of course, the I forgot, fake punt. <laughs> fake punt at your own 35. It was almost like Bill O'Brien was pissed. He's up two grand at the blackjack table. He's got a big, meaty hand of 500 bucks on a, on a hand. And the dealer shows six. He's got nine, or no, he's got 10. And he says, ah, should I double down? Nah, I've got a lot of money. I don't want to lose half of it in one hand. And then the dealer busts and he's like, God damn it. Should have, I should have doubled down on that. So the next time around, he sees the dealer with uh, like a seven maybe. And he's got a 10 again. He's like, double down. And he ends up losing that hand. It's it's the be conservative, then aggressive, then what am I doing? Oh my God, get a game plan, get your head together. Bill O'Brien's not a great coach. I think the Texans have gone as far as they can with him as head coach. But can you fire a head coach who has made it to the second round of the playoffs? I don't know. There was a guy in the game that Instagrammed himself or videotaped himself leaving because he was convinced that he was the problem. He's like, I got to change the karma. Uh, Roy Wood tweeted this. That was great. He's like, you got to respect a fan who leaves the game thinking it must be me. I'm out. Secondary ticket prices were upwards of $300 for the game. Imagine that you whole week you're excited. I'm going to the game. You're waiting two weeks for your Chiefs to play. You got your jersey on. You go there, and they're getting their ass kicked 24 to nothing. <laughs> and you're like, it must be me. I think I'm going to go home. I love Mahomes. I love Kelsey. Uh, Tyreek Hill's amazing. I don't love him. He's a bad guy. Unbelievable football talent. Uh, I do want to see the Chiefs and Andy Reid in the Super Bowl. So I'll be rooting for them. No offense, Titan fans, if there are any. Speaking of taking offense. (laughs) So I tweeted at one point, as it looked like the Texans surely couldn't fuck this game up and lose it. They did. I said, this game, this title game, AFC title game, should be on NFL Network on Thursday night. Titans-Texans. Get it? That's the kind of game that has traditionally lived on Thursday night football. Man, oh man, it took... Well, it wasn't a ton of responses, but there was still like three or four people that fired at me with actual venom on Twitter saying, yeah, well, they're wide receiver one and QB two, and it's a good game, so shut up. One guy just said in all caps, eat a bowl, which I take it would be a bowl of penises. That's the insult that the kids like. You don't get it. It was just a sort of a a, a winky aside, like, hey. It's the kind of game that's on Thursday night, huh? <laughs> Get it? Funny? No. Hey, whoa, relax. I know it's your team. Easy now. And then there was the Green Bay Packers holding off Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks, the NFL's vampire team that just never goes away. Your 28-23 five-point win, which I think was enough to cover in most books. Don't know if the line creeped up that far. It was four and a half, possibly three and a half, four, four and a half, four and a half, five. Actually, I think it was four and a half by the time Friday came. Oh God. Uh, as you can tell, I'm adding this portion of today's Zabecast as an insert. After the fact, I had finished up all the other stuff before the game began. The game has just ended and I mean, it's it's crack cocaine. 
This league is unbelievable. And the way it ended, with a too-close-to-call spot of a Jimmy Graham catch, run, run, and lunge, and then Cleet Blakeman, that jug-eared dummy, coming to the microphone saying, upon further review, the call stands. And then they stopped again, and they're talking about some stuff. And he comes back and says, despite additional footage we received, it did not change the outcome of the call. I'm sorry, but what the... What the hell did you just say? What the... What the, what the hell did you just say? What? I think everybody agrees with me on Twitter, at least I could tell from the reactions. That's a phrase that has never been uttered before. And it's a phrase that ought to send chills down the spine of any football fan in America. I'm sorry, what additional additional footage? What, 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 what footage is that? Was that somebody on the on the sideline with his... Cell phone doing vertical video? Was it a was it a slofy that caught additional footage? Can you imagine a call on the field that gives the Packers the first down and the ball game at home? That then goes to replay where the first judgment is it's still the Packers first down and the ball game at home. And then only after that additional footage says, Oh, wait a minute, it was short. Now, granted, it would have still been fourth down and one or fourth and less than one. With a minute 48 to go, the Seahawks would have had to use their final timeout. And the Packers, if they got stoned, yeah, they would have used that final timeout. They could have had a minute 48 and 60 yards to go. Very nervous time, but it was no guarantee. The Packers could have picked it up. On a quarterback sneak. Oh, by the way, Jadevian Clowney dropped into coverage on third and the season. The somebody, I believe, J.P. Finley of NBC Sports Washington said we call that the Monusky because Greg Monusky, D coordinator, now fired for the Redskins, dropped back Montez Sweat into coverage an inordinate amount of time when he never did that in college. He was a pure pass rusher, long, angular arms. How in the shit do you not rush Jadevian Clowney at Aaron Rodgers? On third and short. I I don't give a shit about personnel groupings or coverage dictates. That's ridiculous. But thank God for it. Packers escape. Oh, man. It was looking like another nightmare. And it took an Aaron Rodgers dime. Some serious ninja shit right when it was needed. The throw to Devontae Adams was just unbelievable. It would be like uh, taking a football and throwing it from, what would be a good analogy? It'd be like walking into a restaurant, and as soon as the door closes, you throw it over the counter through the short order cook's window between the front counter and the kitchen area, and landing it in a pot of soup. Spoosh. That was pretty good, actually. Did you just think of that, or did you write that? No, I swear to God, I just thought of that. That sucked. I've heard better analogies. Either way, Aaron Rodgers was allowed to throw the ball in that situation. Who knows what Mike McDummy would have done 
in that case. Probably run it, make them use a timeout, run putt it, and play defense. Uh, they couldn't stop Seattle, basically, in the fourth quarter. They stopped them once, or in the second half. They stopped them once. And, and the I can't even talk right now. Russell Wilson was running around like a chicken in a courtyard. And thank God the internet had the gif of Rocky Balboa chasing the chicken with uh, Burgess Meredith, his trainer, saying, Come on, Rock. If you can't catch a chicken, how are you going to beat Creed? If you can't catch Russell Wilson, how are you going to beat the Niners? We're going to worry about that in just a second. What a game. What a game. What a game. What a game. What a product. Oh, geez. And what a season for the Packers. The Packers are now, in my opinion, past the threshold of devastation. Had they lost this game as a Packer fan, you would have been devastated. It would have been a, a crusher to lose to the dirty, rainy city bitch pigeons at home. When you owed them, you owed them from the last time. You won, you're in the title ring against the Niners, and the Niners are like Clever Lang. is a stone-cold killer rock. They're savages. I think the Niners, I don't think they can be beat in their place, but we're going to play 60 minutes of tackle football, professional style, and more if needed to determine whether or not that's true. Niners minus seven, a week from Sunday night. (laughs) Past the threshold of devastation. Yes, there'll be great disappointment, especially if the Packers are winning this game next Sunday and if they're in position to win the game. So maybe the, the threshold of devastation comes back into play, but if the Packers end up getting beat and beat soundly, like let's say it's the uh, the game against the Falcons in the playoffs, um, you say, okay, tip your cap, better team. Uh, it's your time. What can you do? Home field advantage? I don't know. But, man, what a game. Devontae Adams is sick. He is a new Packer record, I believe, for postseason yardage. And the game-winning catch, the only quibble would be, okay, catch it. Time and awareness, awareness, game clock awareness, just retract the landing gear and just go down. But no, didn't do it. Okay, um, replay is the worst. You know that uh, the replay in the first quarter on the fumble, which was clearly a fumble, and the recovery, which was clearly a recovery. There was no clear recovery. Get the fuck out of here. This continues to be the problem with replay. And guys like my friend Mike Heller, who does middays, mid-mornings on 97.3 The Game, who loves replay still. He and I got into a big brawl about it last week on 5 Wide. Um, I just I mocked him on Twitter. I hope he's not mad at me. Well, actually, I don't give a shit if he's mad at me. I know he's, I, a, I know he's not mad at me, but if he is, fine. Be mad at me. I said, enjoy staying in that abusive relationship with instant replay. Don't worry. She'll promise to be better next time. Hashtag sucker. That's what it is. For those who love replay, you're just in an abusive relationship. You you want to believe that replay is the girl of your dreams. You want to think that she can make all your dreams come true. She's a whore, replay. She's a dirty, dirty slut of a whore. Dump her ass. Anyway... So that was a joke of a call. And then, of course, on the goal line touchdown calls uh, for Aaron Jones, you can't tell. It looked like the ball might have nicked 
the end zone. Maybe we change the rules so that if you've got half the football over the goal line. Of course, that's just going to be the same thing. We're going to now quibble over what was half over or was only four, uh, four tenths over. Same thing with you know the back end of the football. And of course, I got the 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 microchip guys. I I joked about it. I'm like, well, it's time for the let's put a chip in the ball guy so I can blast him in the sun. And Corey Burnett, God love you, Corey. I know you've been listening to me for a long time, and and you know we're boys here. But I mean, he wouldn't stop. He was like, they do it with soccer. Now, granted, it'd be harder with football. And I go, get out of here with that. They do it in soccer. In football, you'd have to put a chip in the tip of the ball, chip in the back of the ball, and somehow have sensors all over the ball? Because what if the belly of the ball breaks the plane? Besides, how are you going to erect a plane that is uninterruptible from pylon to pylon? So he sends me this article, Corey does, of uh, these guys that are working on this technology. They're like, well, we got a football. We're going to wrap the, the the middle of it, the waistline, the belt line with uh, thin copper wire. And then we're going to put put a sensor over here and put a sensor over there. And I'm just looking at it going, okay. And you're going to put all this underneath a inflatable rubber bladder and a, uh, a, a leather cover that gets uh, treated and rubbed down and scraped down and loaded with oil. Okay. Going to use that in radio. You're going to punt that. You're going to throw that. You're going to kick that thing and have that thing landed on by 350-pound fat-ass linemen, and it's never going to break. Really. Never going to malfunction. Really. And then the story, as I read it, it's like, well, the problem is, even though they can kind of tell where the ball is in the field, it's only accurate to within, wait for it, two feet. (laughs) Two feet. That's two footballs. In other words, it's not accurate, not even close to accurate enough. And they mentioned how RFID chips would be interfered with, with bodies going from one pylon to the other. So the workaround, according to the nerds, was, well, you see, we're going to get this algorithm that will then untangle the mathematical computation as to where the ball actually is on the field at any given time. And I'm like, yeah, but what about if somebody's elbow's down? or their knee is down, or their butt is down. You're going to have to put chips and elbows, knees and butts and everywhere else. And so this guy, Corey Burnett, he just wouldn't stop. He's like, well, you know, no one envisioned us having a first down line that could be digitally projected on the football field. And I'm like, yeah, we don't use it to decide first downs or not. That's the point. Nobody would accept that inaccurate technology. Well, your eyeballs in a chain with sticks is inaccurate. Yeah. You're right, it is. But it's simple, and it's human, and that's what people will accept. There is no technology that's going to be that complicated that fans will actually accept. They'll think, oh, the sensors said it was in. How do I know the league does not have control of the sensors? Answer, you don't. And you could say, well, they've got control of River Own. they got control of Blakeman, maybe to some extent, but... Your eyeballs are your eyeballs. At some point, we're we're counting angels on the head of a pin, people. There's only so much more that can be divined. And it's not worth it because all this is just a game. Nobody dies. Nobody was going to be uh, executed because of who won or lost this game tonight. It was all for fun.
believe it or not, for fun and enjoyment and economic game, of course, for the players and the owners and uh, various other entities. But nobody was forced to give up their money. Nobody was robbed at gunpoint to go watch that game. People voluntarily said, hey, a tackle football game between the Seahawks of Seattle and the Packers of Green Bay? I'm in. That sounds like a lot of excitement. Going to get my heart pumping. I'm going to cheer. I'm going to eat brats with my friends. I'm going to get out and experience the real world. I'm in. I want the joys and the highs of saying, yay, team. You know, sports. I'm in. You don't need fucking microchips. That's the thing. You don't need it. It's pointless. It's always going to be an eyeball call. Make the best eyeball call you can and keep it moving because these games are just for fun. Meanwhile, in the world of golf, something amazing and rather interesting happened on Sunday. Our first shot, our first view of baby Yoda in the world of golf emerged and shook free on the interwebs. Oh, yeah, not baby Yoda. That would be Charlie Woods. That would be the son of one Eldrick Tiger Woods who looks like, I don't know his age right now, I'm guessing he's about, well, he's 10. That's it. They said he was 10. He's playing in a junior tournament. Tiger is standing behind him on the range. A parent with his cell phone is back 30 yards, 30 yards, yeah, almost, in the trees with a shaky camera, probably nervous, and whispering, oh, my God, that's Tiger Woods. That's that's Tiger and his son. Oh, here, oh, I'm hoping he can get him so he turns around. You can hear them narrating the clip. Tiger Woods' kid has a phenomenal move. It is the real-life version of seeing Baby Yoda for the first time. It is amazing, delicious, and incredible. And, of course, immediately, the righteous pseudo-Twitter parents come out of the woodwork like you wouldn't believe. Golf writers saying, I sure hope this doesn't put too much pressure on him. Or how dare somebody take video of his kid and put it on the internet? With that? I'm just like, for God's sakes, really? I mean, LeBron James has Bronny James at 14 on SportsCenter. Phenoms are going to phenom, you know? Tiger himself was on the Merv Griffin show when he was four. Or was it the Mike Douglas show when he was five? Or was it Bob Hope or Tonight Show? I didn't, it was on one of those shows. Uh, Rory was about that age. He was on a British TV show chipping into a washing machine. And you might say, yeah, but they chose to be on those. Or or Tiger's dad said, hey, we're going to go get you on TV. It's different when you film somebody through the trees against their knowledge. Eh, come on. We're living in a day and age in which 10-year-olds have Instagram followings and that they've got YouTube channels with a million subscribers. It's not like they caught Charlie Woods in a moment in which he's like doing something bad or it's embarrassing. Like he's taking a tinkle like that. That would be wrong. He was hitting a golf shot. How'd the swing look? Oh, it looked great, man. Now I know there's a lot of juniors out there with devoted golf dads whose swings look great, but I mean, it had an explosive snap through impact. I mean, now, you might say, hey, you know, Jack Nicholas's kids didn't amount, didn't amount to much. I believe one of his sons won one PGA Tour event. I think. Not sure, but I think. 
And that's about it. Doesn't mean he's going to go all the way and become a PGA Tour player, but I wouldn't bet against it. And for all the tut-tutting wannabe Twitter parents, enough already. All right, quickly, a couple more things. Bill Cower into the Hall of Fame, and he was uh, presented with that news by the guy in the big red overstuffed jacket from the Pro Football Hall of Fame during a break on set on CBS. Good for Bill Cower. He's a super likable guy. He was a great head coach when he was coaching. Is he a Hall of Fame head coach? I don't feel that way, but I haven't done a comprehensive argument stacked against other guys who are in the Hall of Fame. And I'm not going to do it either because I know this. The road to Canton goes through the TV booth and the studio. That's simply the way it is. There are very few guys who have stopped playing football, who are great players, who have sort of disappeared and gone off and done their own thing that have made it into the Hall of Fame. It's really just, oh, I know him, he's on TV, and oh, yeah, he looks good, I like that. It's like a lot of things in life. And so Bill Cower lost, I think, four AFC Championship games, maybe five, is that possible? He went to a Super Bowl, won it, and he went to one and lost it. But he... uh he was never, to me, regarded as, oh, shit, Cower is going to have them ready. He didn't seem like a very innovative coach. He didn't seem like a very tactical game day coach. He was a great theatrical coach. The jaw, the spittle, the stuffing, the uh, you know, the picture of the too many men on the field inside Gordon McCarter's referee shirt. Loved it. And I love the emotion. I love his family. I love the shot of him hugging his wife and daughter after winning the Super Bowl in Detroit. I love it all. I don't know if he's a Hall of Famer. The problem with the Hall of Fame is not just that the process is horribly flawed with a bunch of sports writers that don't know what they're talking about or looking at, deciding who gets in and who doesn't get in. My problem now is it's not just horribly flawed, it's lost its dignity. That they couldn't not put Bill Cowher in because they probably thought this will make for a great... TV shot. And if you think to yourself, well, wait a minute, that can't be the way it works. Don't be so sure. You remember when T.O. got in finally and he said, fuck you guys, I'm not going. The Pro Football Hall of Fame threw a fit. They were hargle bargle. They did not say, that's fine. Well, you know, if you want to come, we'll have a spot for you. If you don't, that's cool. We're not here. You know, they were pissed. They were like, what happens if future guys do this? They're very protective of their little fiefdom, and they love to self-promote, and that weighs into all their decisions. Guys that disappear that aren't on TV, they have to lobby and bitch their way into the Hall of Fame. Harry Carson was on the ballot for a long time, linebacker for the Giants. He finally said, you know what? Fuck you guys. Take me off the ballot. He then got in, I think, after he had done that. Uh, Joe DeLamalier, who was a lineman with the famous electric company with O.J. Simpson, in Buffalo for years, had a full-on lobbying effort. I believe he paid somebody to help him lobby. People are calling me right now. I'm recording stuff. Oh, for God's sakes. Stop it with the FaceTime. Just going to have to let this one play out right now. It's Gitter, of course. He's trying to FaceTime me. There you go. Say no to him. Uh, Both my iPads and my phone went off right now. Jesus Christ, stop it. Okay, I'm going to answer it now. 
Hey, I'm fucking recording a podcast, you dicks. Don't just call me. I'm recording the podcast right now. Yeah. Fuck off and die. Goodbye. The worst. Anyway, the Hall of Fame has lost its dignity because they now have guys who are being voted in come to the Super Bowl during Super Bowl week and then stay in a hotel room and wait for the on the door. Why? Because the Hall of Fame loves the theater of it for guys that get in. But I've seen what happens to guys that don't get in. I know Joe Jacoby, and I was talking to him in Minneapolis his last year he was up. He brings his family up there just in case. And they sit in a hotel room, and they wait for those couple hours on Saturday afternoon, and then, oh, nobody knocks. Oh, too bad for you. That's fucking ridiculous. You put a guy in the Hall of Fame, you put him in for reasons pertaining to the game of football, and you don't toy with them. You don't bring them there and, oh, well, you might get a knock, you might knock, you might not. Tell them they're in, tell them they're not in. Stop making it a TV show. They've lost their dignity, and I've lost my cool because of that phone call. All right, a couple more things, and then we're done today. The Bloody Horns is probably dead. Yes, my annual summer golf tournament, seven years I think we had, maybe eight at the fabulous bowl up there in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Uh, the bowl has gone into, it's been foreclosed on by the bank. Um, I, I don't even know how to bring this up because uh, the owner of the bowl, Dave Bachman Jr., former owner of former owner of this property, has been so great to me. And I have enjoyed talking to him about the golf business and they have treated us and that tournament so well. And it, it breaks my heart to see this, but this is the cruel reality of the golf business. The, uh, the golf course apparently was, was losing money, but they were manage it, managing it. And then whatever happened that they fell very much in arrears of their tax payments and their payments to the bank. And next thing you know, bing, bang, boom, it's foreclosed on. So Someone's going to come in, I hope, and buy it and take it to where it should be as a course. It is an unbelievable golf course, and it deserves to be kept alive. But there's no guarantee. There's no guarantee for any of this. Golf is a tough thing to make a living on and to make a buck on at a golf course. They say that you, you know, the third guy who owns a golf course, not even the first or the second guy, he has a shot at you know making money. But a lot of times when you're the first one, it's very tough. So I've yet to reach out to Dave. I, I don't quite know how to do that. I don't know what the appropriate amount of time is. But if it gets back to him, I'll certainly let it be known that I'll say here, we had an incredible run. It's an incredible place. I wish him the best. And uh, I hope there's a buyer that takes over and and uh, keeps the course where it should be, which is easily in the top 100 in my mind in the U.S. of courses that you can play. And then we'll end on this today. <laughs> Maybe the worst tweet of the weekend. Jason Smith, radio host, Fox Sports Radio. Uh, let's see, overnights? Probably, yeah, 11 p.m. That's fine. I think it's actually 7 p.m. to 11 p.m., Jason Smith. He tweeted, seriously? Packers want people to show up at 6 a.m. Sunday for 12 bucks an hour to shovel multiple feet of snow at Lambeau? 
Suck it up and pay these people like 50 bucks an hour. You can afford it. Stop pushing this like it's a badge of honor to shovel snow for the Packers for nothing. Oh my God. Talk about missing by a thousand miles. Jason, Jason, Jason. First of all, it wasn't multiple feet. Second of all, they actually stopped paying people in checks because they would frame the checks. Third of all, just because you think, well, you can afford it, so pay more, it's shoveling snow. It is not balancing a spreadsheet. It is not doing surgery. It is not a skilled position. And secondly, on top of all that, so it's a very California take, like all oh, these poor guys are poor people are being taken advantage of. For a team that is owned by the community, that has that vibe of this is our team, and if they need people to shovel, I'm going to come shovel, that they still showed up at 6 a.m. I saw the photo of the, the line around the stadium in the dark. To shovel was really just a dusting from what I heard. Is an amazing thing. It's a fantastic thing. And the fact that they can't pay these people in checks anymore because they just want to frame the checks is even more amazing. So, terrible take. Get out of your California cocoon and learn a thing or two about the upper Midwest. Great people, great tradition, great thing. Shut the fuck up. And that will do it for me today. Wow, you had it on a really salty note there, didn't you? I you know, like to have an uplifting end of the show. Thought that was uplifting. Body bagging a fellow radio host who doesn't know what he's talking about. That's uplifting, right? Yeah, I suppose. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the football this weekend. There are more repercussions to come. This was just my first brush of what happened over the weekend. Subscribe to Fridays. You'll get our football Five Ways Friday podcast. Always fun. And that way you don't miss a fifth glorious day of me right here uncensored, yelling at my buddies Getter and others when they call and interrupt my podcast. Ma! Ma! I'm doing a podcast! (laughs) Thanks for listening. Have a great Monday, and we will see you next time. Okay, my degenerate friends, let's talk about the wonderful dark art of gambling. Yes, dancing with the point spread. Going two fists in all the way up to your elbows, wearing farm animal gloves. All right, that was weird. My point is, every game you watch is a little bit more spicy with something on it, you know? That's why you should get dialed in today at mybookie.ag. I've got an account, and you know what? I throw 10, 15, 20 bucks on stuff all the time. That's it. You can even bet less. MyBookie.ag is perfectly legal, and having worked with them for over two years, they are a rare exception of credibility in a sea of fly-by-nighters. And the handful of times anybody has had a problem, they take care of it right away. Why? Because I send one email, and they go, oh, we, we don't want to get this. We'll take care of this. Relax, everybody. You got me backing you up. NFL, college football, NBA, college hoops, PGA Tour, NHL, Premier League, everything but Bush Kazi from Afghanistan, you can bet on it. Right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway, all the way up to 1000 additional dollars to put in play. Terms and restrictions do apply to bonus dollar matches. Read the website for details. Promo code is ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo, to get that additional matching money. Get 
some sweet action in 2020. MyBookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid.